0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah, and as always, thanks for listening. I want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to the show and to download the show. And I hope you guys are really enjoying it. Just do me a favor spread the word continue to help spread the word uh share a link with your friends if you come across an episode and you really enjoyed it let someone know about it and i'd really really appreciate it all right so i hope each and every one of you are out there enjoying your holiday season maybe you're decorating your home for the holidays or maybe you're baking up something good in the kitchen making uh, maybe taking in a christmas movie marathon with your kids whatever you're doing, I hope you enjoy it and I hope that you're all staying safe. For those of you who can't be home with your loved ones this season whether you're serving our country through the military or you're out on the front lines battling this pandemic, thank you for all your service and our thoughts and prayers are with each and every one of you. God bless you all now on to today's episodes news are you looking for that? Maybe that last minute Christmas gift. Maybe there's someone in your family that you just have no idea what to buy them. Maybe they're that type of person that they have everything, you know? One of those people that you just no idea, no clue as to what to look for this person when you're walking in the store. So, I got a few things here. Maybe you could buy for yourself. Uh, Maybe you know somebody who would be interested in these things. So, pay attention. First up, are you looking to be a little bit adventurous this holiday season? Maybe in some snacking? Then look no further than One Stop Pickle Shop. They have, and I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen, gummy bear flavored pickles. They are described as having the sweetness of a gummy bear, but still tastes like a pickle. Other flavors include Country Ranch, Sweet Heat, Garlicky Pepper, Tropical Paradise, Watermelon, Green Apple, Grape, and Pineapple. They're sold in Spears, Chips, and even Platters. So, if you're having a little holiday get-together, there you go. Get you some, uh, (laughs) get you some gummy bear-flavored pickle platters. Say that three times fast. Alright, uh, so maybe you're not into the whole pickle deal, okay? maybe you're not a big fan of pickles so we're gonna shift it from uh, you know salty savory uh, a little bit sour now we're going to shift it over to the sweet side if you have a costco membership or maybe you know someone who does if you head on over to costco you can find divas hot chocolate drop now divas is spelled this divas not div divas not divas (laughs) I'll say it right in a minute. Divas, I guess that's it. But D E A V A S. So, Divas hot chocolate drops. So, instead of ripping open that pack of powdered hot chocolate mix or a K cup, perhaps, you douse these little drops with your preference of steamed milk or hot water for a perfect cup of hot chocolate. So, try those out if you get the chance. And back to coffee lovers um dunkin donut fans uh duncan has introduced their new holiday beverage most of the time christmas season holiday season you may be thinking peppermint mochas eggnog lattes even gingerbread flavored uh uh gingerbread flavors you know um uh, so well now duncan has created a new sugar plum macchiato it is described as quote, bright berry flavors of blueberry, raspberry, blackberry, and plum, accented by notes of vanilla and rounded out with a sweet, sugary finish. End quote. Duncan has says that they have been perfecting this drink recipe since twenty sixteen. Talk about dedication. So who knows? Maybe it could be the new go to coffee drink for uh your colder months, your holiday season. So if you're into those type of flavors and you want to try a sugar plum uh, macchiato, there you go. So with that being said, I hope you're enjoying your holidays and uh, let's get on with the show. Now it's time to pull up a chair, settle in, and cozy up for the Southern Spectre Podcast. Enjoy. Voodoo is believed to be deeply rooted from West African culture. Although its exact origins remain a mystery, it is believed that West African voodoo evolved from ancient traditions of ancestor worship. The forms of voodoo that we know today are the result of one of the most inhumane errors in history, the African slave trade. When African slaves were brought to America, they brought their practice of voodoo along with them. In 1685, a law had been passed prohibiting the practice of African religions, such as voodoo, and it was required that all slave owners Christianize their slaves. Even though the Roman Catholicism religion was accepted by slaves, they refused to give up their traditional beliefs. Somehow along the way, the old and new traditions that the African slaves knew and those that they were introduced to had melded together, producing a new form of voodoo. During the 1720s, African slaves were brought to Haiti and New Orleans around the same time frame, and the development of the voodoo religion in both places were very different, in Haiti voodoo was a way that gave the slaves strength and endurance through hardships and suffrage. Between 1791 and 1804, slave revolts inspired by voodoo resulted in the expulsion of the French from Haiti. Those who survived took shelter in New Orleans. With these new arrivals to New Orleans, voodoo in the city began to take on a life all of its own. Around 1801, a child was born to Marguerite, a freed slave, and Charles Laveau, a wealthy businessman. They named the child Marie, and she was the first generation in her family to be born free. Marie's great-grandmother had made her way from West Africa in 1743 during the slave trade and wound up here in New Orleans. Marie Laveau would grow up here in New Orleans, and eventually, she would marry a Creole man from Santa Dominga, which is now Haiti, named Jacques Paris. Jacques reportedly disappeared and was later reported dead. After his disappearance, she referred to herself as the Widow Paree. Shortly after the death of her first husband, Marie began a relationship with a white Louisiana man from a noble French background known as Christophe Glapion. Together, they had several children who would later become the victims of various yellow fever outbreaks in the city due to poor drainage systems. Although interracial couples were forbidden by law to marry, these relationships were not uncommon in the region. Laveau was a devout Catholic and she blended her voodoo faith with her Catholic faith. When entering her cottage home, you would find altars filled with candles, holy images, and offerings. It was here she would lead meetings where those involved would dress all in white, chanting and singing, leaving liquor and food as offering to the spirits. Laveau would later become a hairdresser where she interacted and conversed with many black clients who also happened to be house servants. Through this career, she had become privy to personal information about her well-off white clients who on more than one occasion sought her counsel. It was through this wealth of knowledge that she was able to give informed advice for many wealthy and politically astute clientele. Blacks and whites alike paid for her personal advice intervention, and protection against evil. Marie Laveau performed a number of notable acts of community service, nursing yellow fever patients, posting bail for free women of color, even visiting condemned prisoners to pray with them during their final hours. Marie Laveau sought to help a number of people with a number of problems, from giving them legal advice to attracting a lover. After her death in 1881, the legend of Marie Laveau grew and thrived. The New York Times claimed in her obituary, quote, Lawyers, legislators, planners, and merchants all came to pay their respects and seek her offices, end quote. Marie's ceremonies and rituals were visited and attended by all, both black and white. However, the white community never fully accepted voodoo as a real religion. Racism along with the media led to over sensationalized stories led to her ceremonies being described as drunken orgies and her nickname, Voodoo Queen. It is also said by some that she was in fact the granddaughter of a powerful voodoo priestess in Santa Dominga and had a family background in voodoo practice. It's also said that she became an understudy and student of Dr. John Bayou, who was a prominent, well-renowned root worker. It did not take her long to dominate the voodoo practice and culture in New Orleans. Some say Laveau had three main places she would hold her rituals, her home, Congo Square and Lake Pontchartrain. At her home on St. Anne Street, she would converse with her clients as they sought resolve for their issues. Here in her backyard, it said she would conjure the spirit of the great zombie, Das Zombie, Z-O-M-B-I, who was the deity known as Dambalawidu, who would manifest as a snake. Laveau's second site, Congo Square, been set aside by officials as a place free and enslaved African people could gather. Although no major rituals took place here, this was a place where Marie and her followers could gather on Sundays to dance, sing, and worship. This helped to rejuvenate the spirit of those who faced hardships and oppression. The final place was the Bayou St. Johns on the shores of Lake Pontchartrain. Major rituals and ceremonies were carried out here. Singing, dancing, drumming, spirit possession would occur here. Curious white folks would sneak into the woods to get a glimpse of what was happening here, only to report extreme tales of what really happened. It is also reported that there were rivalries about who should rule the voodoo system in New Orleans. There were two women who preceded Marie Laveau, Saneet Deed, who ruled a number of years before she was removed by Marie Salope. Marie Laveau eventually took rule over voodoo in New Orleans and remained unchallenged until 1850, when a Creole woman by the name of Rosalie Challenged LeVu's position. To create a sense of fear and dread, Rosalie placed a huge life-sized wooden doll in her yard that was reportedly from Africa. The statue was covered in beads and carvings. Some people began expressing fear and respect for Rosalie due to the doll. And then, Marie Laveau stole the doll. Laveau was taken to court by Rosalie and Marie is said to have used her powers to have the doll permanently removed. Through her strength, personality, charity, and flair, Laveau rose to a prominent position in New Orleans. Whether she was known as a voodoo queen with uncanny supernatural abilities or a street-smart entrepreneur who knew what it meant to give the people what they wanted. She is indeed a fascinating historical figure, having been a black woman in the deep south with such a great influence, even in the face of adversity. Laveau is buried in St. Louis Cemetery, number one. Even still today, people flock to her tomb to adorn her plot with spiritual regalia, candles, money, flowers, trinkets and assorted personal items for our next story we talk about the hayden family who back in the 1800s were living in their newly built hayden house mansion on route 14 just outside Albany, Vermont. William Hayden had moved to Albany, Vermont with his wife, Silence, and her mother, Mercy Dale. Mercy Dale was widowed and very well off financially. Over the years, William acquired so much land that in 1823, he found himself in serious financial trouble. Mercy lent the couple money that helped them get back on their feet. But William squandered it away supporting his lavish party lifestyle. He was not in a hurry to pay this back and then asked for a second loan that he did not or could not pay back. This angered Mercy greatly. This financial stress pushed her to move out and caused her to become terribly ill. She believed her illness was caused by William, who she thought had poisoned her. As the end came, Mercy uttered her ominous curse in the presence of her daughter, silence. Quote, the Hayden name shall die in the third generation, and the last to bear the name shall die in poverty. End quote saying that the third generation would be the last of the Hayden line and the family would end in economic ruin. William continued his extravagant lifestyle and eventually he lost everything. He fled to Canada to hide from his creditors and died in poverty in New York years later. In 1854, William Hayden Jr. built the mansion that still stands today. He was not aware of the curse that he and his aging father, the focus of Mercydale's wrath, or the family were all under. Once the new mansion was built, the Haydens enjoyed a privileged lifestyle that was the envy of the region. Pleasure rides in the horse-drawn, handsome carriages would often be the order of the day. There were servants to wait on the family members hand and foot. A New Year's Eve grand party would be held on the third floor ballroom. For the most part, life was going well for the Haydens, and the curse was all but forgotten. William Hayden Jr.'s daughters were all married and soon bearing grandchildren regularly. It wasn't long before things started to take a turn for the worse. The only Hayden eventually left alive was Henry's daughter, Armenia. All that was left of her inheritance was an unsavory family reputation and a number of unpaid debts. Due to illness and humiliation, she decided to live out her final days in Waterville, Maine, where she died alone in poverty on February 20th, 1927. She was the last of the Hayden family and the final victim Of Mercy Dale's curse. Mercy's grim alleged threat with her dying breath came true. By 1927 according to various accounts the entire Hayden family had died due to an assortment of inexplicable illnesses. Today they all rest in the Hayden family plot beside Route 14 at the north end of town. Mercy Dale rests somewhere in that cemetery too, probably pleased with her curse-casting abilities. The old house and surroundings are reputed to be haunted and widely written up in legends and lore of Northern Vermont. It is considered to be one of a handful of haunted houses in the Northeast Kingdom. Some people have claimed they saw ghostly lights near the property thought to be spirits of slaves that perhaps were buried in unmarked graves in the field near the farm. Some said phantom violin music could be heard occasionally in and around the old mansion, a possible flashback to one of the lavish parties there during happier times. The following is an interview with Helen Stacy of Albany, Vermont on June 10, 2016. Helen grew up at the Hayden House in the 1950s. She lived there for about 20 years starting at age 11. Her family, Alfred and Goldie Mason, purchased the Hayden House for a mere 15 grand at the time. Helen said there were a lot of fires at the property that seemingly started on their own. She recalls seeing a fire start in the roof of an outbuilding that started spontaneously while no one was in the area. She also recalls when the carriage barn burned down, which was later replaced by the structure that's still there today. Helen Stacy says, My mother saw ghosts at least twice. The first time, she noticed a man sitting in the living room dressed in Lincoln period clothes with a hat similar to what Abraham Lincoln wore. She didn't believe what she was seeing and tried to ignore it. But, she had a little boy visiting at the time and the boy saw the man too. He called it quote, end quote, meaning grandfather in French and approached it but the apparition stood up, walked toward the hall and then vanished. Another time my mother heard old style ballroom music playing. It seemed to be coming from the dance hall in the upper portion of the house. Sort of like old-fashioned waltz music. Curious as to where the music was coming from, she walked to the top of the stairs, and the music just stopped and went away. Well, I am 80 now, so I can't remember too many things, but I do know that a lot of people would not stay at the house. Everybody in town knew there was something different about the Hayden house, and most people didn't want to stay there." End quote. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up this episode for the Southern Spectre podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a little bit just as much as I did. Stick around with me uh, for the next episode. should be out uh, in a few days. So uh, just stick around. Be on the lookout for that next episode. If you'd like to follow me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at the Southern Spectre. You can also find me on Facebook at the Southern Spectre podcast. I wish you all the best this holiday season. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas, everyone.